Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Today we're reading from Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me. In your righteousness, enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul. For I am your servant. You know, we're reading the Psalms for a few weeks. Uh, We're inviting you to kind of step into them as something you pick up and like practice. Maybe you take a line from a Psalm that strikes you that we have read. Maybe you memorize a passage from the Psalm. Uh, but maybe you read it each day. Maybe you write it down. You just, just the exercise of writing it down each day, but to kind of practice it with, with us. And this week is Psalm 143. I got just, this one got me thinking a little bit about what prayer is like. And um, on, on the one hand, I think sometimes prayer, it's like those, it's like the text sort of dots, right? When you fire something off to someone and you want an answer immediately, and what you get is the like, the dots, like, oh, I think they're answering, right? And then you wait, then they go away, and then they come back, right? The sort of uh, uncertainty of that space and the frustration of that space, but what you want is sort of an immediate response, and what you get is whatever that is supposed to indicate. I also thought, and this one is a bit of a stretch, but uh, I think it's Amy Poehler, the comedian and writer, tells the story of sending off a text one time that she was uh, sending to her husband. She's like, I think it's time to let our personal assistant go. And uh, uh, later that night, she got a text from her personal assistant that said, I think we need to talk. And she said, it turns out she had sent that initial text to her personal assistant who was with her at the time. She sent the text, right, and read it, right? Like, uh, uh, and I think sometimes prayer is kind of that awkward sort of, you know, are, are, is it going to the right person? Are we, you know, are we okay with what we're saying? Like that, that kind of awkwardness of, of, of interaction around uh, this kind of communication. Uh, I think sometimes, again, I'm not going to, these aren't going to be all the things prayer is like. And by using these examples, I don't want to suggest that it's not also like really beautiful things, but I'm not going to talk about those right now. Uh, but but <laughs> I did think, uh, you know, I was chatting with, with the kids, Jess is out of town, and um, uh, just for a few days, it feels like months, but, uh, you know, we're here. And, um, but we were chatting about picking her up at the airport tomorrow, and I was like, oh, you know, last time 
you guys, we like made a sign, or I don't know, we took flowers, we pulled out all the stops, I don't know. It's like, you were gone like two days, we can't live without you. Um, and I was like, oh, do you guys want to, they're like, yeah, we totally want to do that again. I'm like, what if we just pick her up at the curb? And uh, <laughs> with no hesitation, I was like, you could, we could just stay in the car and we'll just come out. We won't even have to like, and uh, with no hesitation, my kid's like, I don't want to stay in the car, I want to hug her, right? <laughs> yeah, right? And uh, it was beautiful. And, and I think sometimes prayer, this, not to be too sappy, prayer is like that as well, right? Uh, like like it's, it's this space in which you feel the distance, but you also know there's like closeness, right? That, that thing that you're sort of aching for and asking for as you reach out to God for whatever that space is, you feel the distance, but then there's that ache in you for that kind of closeness. I, I think those feelings are present in Psalm 143 in spades. Uh, if we sit with this passage, we could look at it all kinds of ways. We could deconstruct it in a way that maybe makes it, you know, make more sense perhaps. But I don't know that it sort of operates on us like a prayer if we do that. So I, I this morning, just want to ask you to think about sort of the, uh, think about it in a way that holds together sort of these poles of, of human experience. That in this prayer, we feel it sort of swing back and forth between these, these types of experiences that we know to be true. Right, this sort of ache for nearness, but the feeling of distance. And, and this prayer sort of just moves uh, in, in traffics in, in sort of these kinds of human experiences from start to finish. So we're just going to consider those feelings for a moment. The first observation I want to make is that right out the gate, I feel like the prayer just pulls us into the truth that our righteousness and our spirits fail. Distance. Right, that our righteousness and our spirits uh, fail. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. No one living is righteous before you. And then this, towards the end of that, sort of, if we break it into a couple of stanzas, verse 6, I stretch out my hands to you, my soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. And in these sort of moves within the prayer, we feel, right, we're, we're confronted with this first confession that our righteousness and our spirits, right, our effort, our energy, uh, all of that, it, it, it runs out, leaks it, 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 it comes up short. Our righteousness fails. That's an interesting phrase to me in verse 2 from David. Because in many of the Psalms, David will, 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 will come before God and say, I'm blameless, right? Defend me. And, and, and uh, that's not to say that he is sinless in those moments of confession. But I do think in those particular prayers or those spaces, he's often saying, I'm innocent of whatever sort of particular accusation is coming at me that is the context of this prayer. And yet here in this moment is the confession that however blameless he may be in whatever those uh, circumstances are, that on the whole of his life, he comes up inevitably short. His righteousness fails, but not just his righteousness, right? Not just, uh, not, not just sort of the things he thinks that sort of make him okay, particularly in his relationship with God. I am good enough, all those kinds of things. Not just his righteousness, but his spirit fails. I mean, the language of verses three and four, pursued, crushed, darkness, 
faint, dismayed, right? These, these are uh, words we know, right? These uh, may be different times in our lives. These are, these are words we feel, right? They pull us into an honest confession of this first sort of human experience that our righteousness and our spirits fail. They run out, they wash out, they give out, they fail. It's interesting to me that in that particular context in the prayer, he tried, you could feel him like try to steer his soul back. Verse 5, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you've done. I ponder the work of your hands, right? It's almost like you just feel him sort of talking to himself, like knowing <laughs> this is impossible, but I know this is a move I need to make. It's like we sang about this morning. You, you, you can feel that pull. And this isn't just a sort of uh, an ache for like a better day. Did you guys watch the Super Bowl? Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, the like they do the commercials in the Super Bowl. You know how they do the commercials? Um, a lot of people like to talk about the commercials. And, uh, you know, I've seen some people sort of chatting about the themes. Uh, some people uh, say that, like, if you want to get a pulse on sort of American culture and life, this is, this is the moment to do it. The people with all the money are trying to speak to all the people. So if you want to know their assessment of how all the people are doing, watch the Super Bowl commercials. I'll leave it to you to debate or, you know, if that's accurate or not. But they made the observation, one, one article I was reading made the observation, did you notice all the dogs? All the dogs in, in, in this, uh, you're like, nope, uh, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. The door is right there. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that was a joke. <laughs> uh, right, all the dogs this year. And uh, they're like, dogs are always kind of apart, but like this year, man, there were some where, did you see the one with the, like the family is aging and the dog is aging? And I don't even know what they were advertising, but I was like weeping, right? Like, oh, my, where's my dog, right? Like, uh, the, but the, uh, the author sort of made the observation, like, whatever that is, was, a, was a, you know, is there a pull? This is just asking the question, this ache for like comfort, Right, a nostalgic pull that given the experiences of the last whatever, rather than so much of the divisiveness we find, like there's this like, they're trying to tap into this ache for like security and, and comfort because dogs bring all those things. Right, but what David is doing is not watching a dog ad in a Super Bowl. That's not what's happening here. It's not just like, man, I wish we had the good old days, right, which we can sometimes be guilty of in church. No, he, he's remembering, right? He, 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 he's stepping into a narrative of specific moments of God's intervention. Prior to this moment, it's been his story, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in anguish. Uh, I'm fainting. And now he's, he's expanding that view. God has been working at spaces larger than my life. All that you have done, the works of your hands that, that are far greater than sort of my experience in this moment that overwhelms me. It's an interesting it's an interesting move. You can feel him. Just do something, right? Or just do something. David acknowledging his righteousness has run out. His spirit fails. I'm not sure. On the one hand, I, I feel like we know those feelings. On the other hand, I'm not sure that we always relate well to this truth. We don't want to sort of admit it. No one wants to admit a lack of righteousness. Like, whether the word is churchy or not, no, no one, like, we're all playing the game of, like, self-righteousness. You know, it's why we compare ourselves to others. It's why we need a little distance from the person next to us. All those kinds of things. No, no one wants to, like, sort of own up to this particular kind of truth. 
And even the like spirit fainting, I mean, that's not, that's not a space where like we love to parade around, right? Like we try to keep that stuff covered up and hidden too, right? Like, like uh, we, 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 you know, you just got to put the best sort of face and all those kinds of things. And, and yet here in this prayer, we're, we're just pulled into like just sort of invited into kind of dropping all of that. And let's just be honest with this confession up front. Our righteousness and our spirits fail. They fail. And, uh, you know, thankfully, that is the truth. But thankfully, that's not all the truth of this prayer, which is what I think is so beautiful is it sort of moves us back and, and forth, right? Yes, this is true. All of this is true. Your righteousness and mine, your spirit and mine will, 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 will fail. But it's not all of what is true. It, right? All of this is true, but it's not all of the truth. Right? What is also true in this prayer is that, yes, when our righteousness and spirits fail, God's righteousness and faithful love remain. Also true, also present in this prayer. Look where he finishes. Verses 11 and 12. For your name's sake, O Lord, I uh, preserve my life. For your name's sake, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you'll cut off my enemies and destroy all of the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. It's an interesting move where, where he finishes here, right? So he makes an appeal to God's name uh, in, in these closing stanzas. He makes an, an appeal to, to, to God's name, to God's righteousness, and to God's love, right? What, it's, it's, this, this is what I want you to consider, the, what sort of holds the desperateness of the prayer together, right? The context that, that sort of has the space large enough to hold the the. the, the, the all of the feeling that we swing back and forth between and among in this prayer, all of the desperateness, what holds all of that is not our effort or our control, our righteousness, our stamina. It's none of those things. It's God and his character and steadfast love and righteousness. I, I read this week. Do you guys remember Marie Kondo? Yeah? The like tidiness thing and joy yeah you guys are like yes I remember it wasn't that long ago Matt uh, I may not have watched the Super Bowl but I know how to spark some joy right I don't know right I don't know if you've seen have you seen she's like recently said uh, you know I'm learning to kind of let all that go no yes now you're, now you're interested. You're like, wait, what? Your life is like crumbling. You're like, wait a minute. I can feel your, you got to breathe. Right? She was the one who's like, keep tidy. Just keep the things that spark joy. Live neatly, cleanly. I don't know, minimally. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but she has recently sort of said that because of children, right? She has like, uh, maybe tidiness is not like sort of all it was cracked up to be. Which really what she's speaking to is the illusion of togetherness, right? The illusion of like, holding it together and for her it was this avenue and, and it works you know maybe for a time but what, what this prayer does is sort of drops that illusion of of togetherness of holding it togetherness hide not your face from me he says in verse seven lest i be like those who go down to the pit then in verse eight let me hear in the morning of your steadfast 
love, for in you I trust. I've shared before uh, this verse and its meaning and uh, at different times in my life has been meaningful. Let the morning bring me word of your steadfast love, seasons of difficulty in my life when uh, this refrain became a kind of like anchor for me because I was in a moment of like, I, this, I, don't, I have no control here. I can't hold this together. I can't alter the outcome of the situation that I'm in, yet wrapped up in this word is an affirmation that my life rests in the hands of another and also a, a promise that the night is not without end. Right? Let the morning bring me word of your steadfast love sort of inherent within this nudge is a promise that the night is not uh, eternal. Right? That, that all of the effort I expend to hold my life together, to make it through the night, there is more at work here. Then he makes this turn uh, in the next couple of verses, make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift my soul. Deliver me, O Lord, I have fled to you for refuge. Verse 10, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. It's a beautiful turn of like release, that his life is not his to control or direct. God, you lead, you guide, you hear echoes of Psalm 23, right? I mean, this feels very shepherdy for lack of a better word, right? Lead, God, show me. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. I mean, the imagery, it feels very shepherdy. It's a confession that we are in need of of guidance and shepherding. It's a beautiful sort of swing, right? Honest about all of the brokenness of my life, my righteousness and my weakness, my faintness, all all of that. It's honest about all of that, and yet it holds it also alongside this other truth that when all of that runs out, there is still something left. And that something is a righteous God who is full of steadfast love for you. It's interesting if we hold the language of this prayer and think about Jesus. Words like pursued and crushed and faint and dismayed. They have some resonance with the story of Jesus. We think about what enables, what enables someone to pray a prayer like this. I am unrighteous, but God, please don't judge my unrighteousness, right? I am broken and weak and empty and unrighteous. Oh, but God, please don't judge my unrighteousness. What, enable, what, what even sort of enables that kind of prayer is Jesus. The one who is himself both just, righteous, but also the one who redeems the unrighteous. We're drawn up into the work of God for us in Christ, which as we sort of move towards the end here, I I think poses a question for you and for me. I'd like to consider this prayer as a question. We've considered sort of the swings of human experience here that our righteousness and the spirits will will fail, but God, his righteousness and steadfast love remain in your life. So what is our response to these two? Right, like what is is your posture and mine in response to the each of these truths, and maybe you're at different seasons in your life where you're like, you know, sometimes these truths land a little more heavily than others, and uh, wherever you might be in that experience, like, what, what is the posture of one caught up in this kind of truth, these kinds of 
truths, this kind of prayer. I think it's just tucked right in the heart of the prayer here. Verse 6. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. It's a posture of surrender and openness, confession of emptiness and weakness. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. I sit with sort of where we started. What is prayer like? I, uh, you know, our habit at home is to read with the kids. And uh, I um, have been reading Harry Potter. Okay, so this is my confession to you. I realize I may have lost some of you. I'm sorry. No one is righteous, okay? Uh, but that is where we are. And um, yeah, we, uh, we, we were reading it recently. You know, the books, we, had, we started and then we like, the, the books mature with age. My kids still move at the normal speed of time. So uh, they're like, read the next book. And like, you're not ready for it. And, you know, that we've been in that sort of tension. So I finally caved and we've moved on to whatever book we're on. And uh, I'm not going to tell you that part. So there's, there's a limit to my self-disclosure. But um, a very small one, but there is one. Uh, so we were reading this week. You know, they get longer. They're very fun. It's sort of routine for us. Routine is definitely helpful when mom's away, right? Because it's just like, we can do this, right? <laughs> like, a, But uh, anyway, so we were reading recently. Uh, actually, mom was here for this. But we, we were reading, and you know, my spirit, my spirit faints just like the rest of you guys. And uh, I was reading recently, and it was mid-like paragraph. And I, I, I just said words that were not on the page, right? Like, they weren't in there anywhere. I said something to the effect of, you know, oh, that was rough. I've got to work on that. Like, that came out of my mouth. Like, I mean, seamlessly mid, mid like, I'm reading the sentence. I'd fallen asleep and was, like, dreaming? I don't know. It was a little disturbing. Like, I, I came to, and the kids are they're in a bunk bed, and they're, like, looking at me, like, just laughing. Like, what just happened, right? Jess is in there at this time. Like, what? What? You know, I, she's like, I could feel it coming. You were slurring words. You were like, your, your tone and pace were just very, uh, yeah. I think prayer, I think prayer is like that. I think sometimes, man, you're just, you're just doing the best you can to slur words together. Maybe you're just tired. Maybe life is just full in a good way. Maybe you don't know what to say. Maybe there's lots happening under the surface of your life and it comes out with whatever was going on in my subconscious in that moment. I don't know, right? But like what, what, what I hear in, in the that sort of promise of Psalm 143 is that's okay. That's not, just to clarify, this isn't all prayer is. And sometimes it's intense and intercession and articulate and clear. But sometimes it's God and his spirit working even in your groaning. And in that groaning is the promise of Psalm 143, that even when your righteousness and spirit fails, God remains. His righteousness for you and his steadfast love for you remain. Prayer is like that. All the other things it is, I hope you hear this morning that prayer is like that. I want to invite you to Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. 
to learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.